0: You're listening to the Banner Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, good morning and welcome to Banner Church. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Katie and my husband, Pastor Josh, and I are the lead pastors here at Banner Church. Awesome. I love it. My my cheering section is so great. You guys make me feel so loved and encouraged. I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm thankful to be preaching this morning on our Undefeated Love series. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series thus far? (laughs) Amen. God has been doing some amazing things through this word, and um, this morning you get to join us as we play musical chairs my husband sings and plays guitar, I speak, things that, you know, neither one of us are normally doing, maybe next week I'll lead from Keys, I don't know, yeah, Lucy asked me this morning if I was going to be leading a song, and I was like, oh, no, like, I really, I wish that was my gifting, but, you know, as of yet, God has not revealed that gift to me, but... Um, I'm believing, you know, someday that's going to be me. That's going to be my gifting. Um, But I'm so thankful that you guys are here. It's a great Sunday. As Jamin mentioned, Leadership Lunch is today right after this service. And I want to encourage you, you do not have to be a leader of a team. This is saying, I want to have better leadership of myself of my life and those around me, maybe of your family. I want to encourage you. This is how God is going to equip you to be a leader in your life and in your circles. So I want to invite you. Please come. It's going to be amazing. As uh, Jamin mentioned, Josh is going to be speaking on biblical interpretation. And man, that is a very powerful subject. So I want to encourage you. If you read the Bible and you're like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to read this, Come today, listen, uh, be encouraged, be built up. You are going to love it and enjoy it. You will not regret coming. So go online and sign up for that right now. I will not judge you for pulling out your phone in the middle of service. Um, But I want to begin this morning, uh, if you uh, follow us online, or maybe you got the email from us this week uh, explaining what we were going to be talking about, which is conflict today, uh, give yourself a pat on the back, uh, you get the extra kudos some snaps this morning, because you still chose to come to church, even though we are going to be talking about conflict. Um, You know, I was talking to someone after first service, and they said, you know what, last week we sat through a service on sex. So if we can do that, we can sit through a service on conflict. (laughs) So it's going to be good, guys. Um, But would you pray with me this morning over our message? God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it has the power not only to inform us, but, God, to transform our lives. And, God, we pray for exactly that this morning. I pray that as we dive into scripture, as we read your word, and we interpret what it means, God, I pray that it would transform our hearts, that it would transform our lives. And, God, I pray healing, renewal, newness of life this morning through your word. I thank you, and we give this to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to begin in Song of Solomon, chapter 5. If you have your Bible, go ahead and pull it out. Um, If you don't, however, the words will be on the screen. You can follow along with us. As I said, we're going to be in chapter 5. We're starting in verse 2. This is the Shulamite woman. She says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened for my beloved. But my beloved had left. He was gone. And my heart sank at his departure. Conflict this morning is where we are jumping in. And, you know, Josh and I have been married for 12 years, we've been together for 17. And um, at this point, I feel like we've, I mean, I know that there's a lot left. So I'm, you know, I look forward to more conflicts that are resolved. Um, But we have resolved kind of a lot of conflict. We don't really fight that much anymore. Um, And you know, you can ask Gianna after service. She may say differently. She lived with us for two years, so if anyone knows and is not gonna be biased, it's her. Um, But I will say this, I know when we are going to fight. It happens in a very specific place, in the car. And if we are trying to get somewhere we have never been before Guys, I don't know what it is Like this is like Taylor's oldest time kind of scenario Like I feel like that's constantly replayed in movies and shows And like women and men fighting in the car about trying to get somewhere But it, it happens without fail every time And you know, you'd think we would learn from our mistakes But I, I don't know, he still keeps having me navigate And so <laughs> the lesson learned is just don't have me do it Um, But basically what happens is, you know, we get in the car, and we're like, all right, we're going to figure out where we're going. I hate driving. I mean, I'll do it because I have to do it, but I would prefer not to. And Josh, being the gentleman that he is, loves to drive and always drives. If we go somewhere, he's driving because the other conflict that happens is if I'm driving and he's in the car, different scenario. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, throwing shade. Sorry, I can't help it. Um, But, yeah, so basically what happens is we get in the car, and we're like, okay, we need to get to this place. And now we all have phones that tell us how to get places, which you think would again solve the problem, but somehow it still does not. And so Josh is, he's getting in the car, and we start driving, and he's like, You know, you need to tell me where to go, right? Like we've already started driving. He doesn't really know where the (laughs) destination is, but we've already started. And in that moment, my brain panics. I'm like, shoot, yes, I need to tell you where to go. So I whip out my phone and I start typing in the address and I'm like already panicking because I'm like, okay, please find us, please find us, please find us. You know that moment when your uh, navigation just like doesn't know where you are for some weird reason? Like you're going north and it still thinks that you're like walking backwards, going south. I mean, the fact that I'm even using directional terms right now. (laughs) I need to be honest with you and tell you I do not know north from south, east from west. I just don't. It's not a gift that God has given me. Uh, We lived for 30 years in the same area, and when I would see maps of, like, where I lived, I'd be like, oh, that's where it is? (laughs) Like, I could maybe tell you what road to take to get there, but if you asked me, like, is Snohomish east or north or south of where you lived? I would be like, I don't know. Like, legit, literally, I, if you asked me that question right now, I would look at you and say, I have no idea. I know how to get there, but I don't know where it is. So, I mean, that's our baseline we're starting with. I don't have good directions, just in general. <clears throat> so we'll start driving to this place and you know like in those moments when you're driving somewhere and you're like oh shoot we need to pull off and get gas or like oh we need to make a stop somewhere and then there's like that extra added pressure of oh shoot now I need to like I need to find a place that's close to our already path and then I need to direct us there and then somehow magically direct us back to the freeway because it is magic it doesn't just happen naturally and so (laughs) I'll put it in and the moment of panic that I have when your little directional arrow is on your phone, and it's going like this, and then like this, and it's <laughs> <laughs> And I told you, I don't know directions. And so I cannot look at the map and say, okay, where am I in relation to that street? Because I just don't know. I just don't. And so Josh is getting more and more frustrated because he's like, I'm at the light. We need to turn. Where am I supposed to go? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to fight about this. I just want it to be fine. And every time, guys, conflict And I thought when we got this new car where it's like you can put the navigation in the screen, I thought that that would fix it. But yet again, it has not. So pray for us uh, every time we get in the car. If you invite me somewhere where we've never been, just say a little prayer for us that we'll make it. And not have a fight on the way there. I hope this morning you guys didn't have a fight on the way to church because we're about to get into it. And I want you all just to sit and receive uh, what we have this morning. Uh, But, you know, what conflict is just something that's going to arise. It doesn't matter how much Josh and I love one another. It doesn't matter how long we've been together. Sometimes that makes it worse, how long you've been together because you just know all the things about your spouse. But conflict is going to arise in every single one of our relationships simply because we are people. That is who we are. We are people. And uh, I don't live in your brain, and you don't live in mine. And so sometimes we're going to have different opinions. We're going to have different backgrounds, different experiences that are going to cause conflict in our relationship. And this morning, hear me say that conflict is— We're never going to eliminate it. We're not going to completely avoid it. And so the point this morning isn't how do you eliminate conflict from your relationships. The point this morning is how do you work through conflict in every relationship, although this morning we're going to be talking specifically about marriage. But maybe this morning you're here and you say, I'm not married. Uh, How can I apply this? Think of any conflict you have ever had in your life. Think of the relationship with you have your, you have with your parents. Maybe it's a relationship with a coworker or a neighbor or a friend, a close friend. Uh, I want you to hear that there is hope for resolution that when you fight, it is not to have victory that when you fight it is to have godly resolution. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. Well, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, as I mentioned last week, we talked about sex, uh, but we've been going through the book of Song of Solomon, and the first week we talked about how to uh, have godly attraction and how to build up uh, someone that you're courting or maybe someone you're dating, what to look for in a godly spouse. Um, And last week, we talked about how to have godly sex, that uh, God created us to have good sex, that it is tender, that it is sensuous, that it is built on trust and loyalty, and that God uh, created it for us, that it is good. So this week, um, they are married, and inevitably, conflict arises. So I want to go back to verse 2 and just explain to you guys a little bit of what's happening in this scenario uh, so that we can work on exactly how the conflict arises. So in verse 2, again, this is the, the woman speaking. She says, I slept, but my heart was awake. So essentially, she is restless. She's in bed. She is either unable to sleep or, like, if you've got the Apple Watch, it's like her heart rate is all over the place. Like, she's not getting any deep sleep in this moment. There's no REM sleep. She is uh, restless in bed. And she says, listen, my beloved is knocking. So (laughs) he knocks on the door, and he says, open to me. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm good with the jokes. Open to me my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. He's using all of the pet names. He is uh, not holding back any stops. He's recalling all these beautiful names that he's given her throughout this relationship. And then he says, my head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of night. So, I mean, as you would imagine, if she's sleeping, it's probably nighttime, Um, and he is coming out there uh, late at night. His head is drenched with dew. That tells us it is late at night. So, basically, what has happened is (laughs) another tale as old as time, and I don't know what it is. I... I have been in this scenario uh, if your spouse ever works late where it's like uh, you're waiting for them to come home and uh, you're like you want to spend time with them you want to be with them and something happens and they don't show up at time and you're looking at your watch and you're like it's my bedtime it's jammy's time like sorry you you have missed your opportunity and you want them to know so you you turn off all the lights you like get in bed you close the door it is like everything is shut down (laughs) the kitchen is closed guys (laughs) and here he comes knocking on her door late at night his head is drenched with dew and we know what he is looking for He's using all those pet names. He's coming for the booty call, you know. <laughs> so this is, this is the scene that has been set for us. This is where we see the conflict arise in their relationship. So this morning, as we dive into the scripture, and now we've seen the, uh, the scene is set, now we want to see, okay, so what are the causes of conflict that Song of Solomon is laying out for us here? And I see that there are three common causes of conflict in our relationships. And this morning, let's dive into them. Here's the first one, co- first cause of conflict in our relationships, unmet expectations, Song of Solomon is not an easy book to interpret, and um, even in my short life thus far, I've heard lots of different er interpretations. Uh, People have different opinions on uh, who this book was written for, what the point of the book is, and how we are supposed to apply it to our lives. Uh, But when I read this scripture, I was like, I do not need to be a theologian to understand what is happening here. Like, this is an obvious Situation just like I said Like it's just so you hear it and you're like Yes I know exactly what she's talking About like she's going to bed she's Tired and he comes knocking looking for Her she has the expectation That he was going to be home That he was going to come and spend Time with her and have relationship With her he expects That when he comes and he's ready That she's ready Unmet expectations In their relationship Unmet expectations in our relationships will lead to bitterness and resentment. These are the things in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, that if left undealt with, come up like weeds. That resentment, that bitterness, that anger, those are the things that will destroy your relationship. And how many times I feel like our unmet expectations, unmet because they are simply unspoken. How many things this morning are you expecting of your spouse or your friend that they are not meeting? And the whole reason they're not meeting them is because you've never expressed it to them. You've never communicated it clearly to them. One of the things we do in premarital counseling that I think is so incredibly, it's so basic, but it is so powerful, is we literally go through a list of all of the kinds of things that you kind of come up with in marriage. Like, who's going to take the trash out? Who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to be the one to stay home with the kids? All these, like, really fundamental, important things of relationship, and each person fills it out separately saying, well, this is what I experienced when I was a child, and this is my expectation of what's going to happen in our relationship. If those things are never spoken, if they're never brought to the table, it can create so much conflict because you're sitting there thinking, I'm expecting my spouse to provide for me, and they're thinking like, well, yeah, we're both providing, we're both doing the work. Both parties are having unmet expectations. When Josh and I first moved here uh, to Arizona, I remember uh, we came down here with the express decision and intention, move from the Holy Spirit that we were supposed to plant a church And that we would become lead pastors. In the last 12 years of ministry before that, I had never been a lead pastor before. (laughs) I'm not surprised. I had served in ministry for a long time, and I had led ministries. But when you step into the role of being a lead pastor, there is honestly nothing like it that I have ever experienced in ministry before. There is an extra level of responsibility, of accountability, and uh, just the weight that comes from being a lead pastor. And so when three years ago we stepped into that role here, the expectation was that we were partners and that we were going to be doing it together. But I can tell you right now, the insecurity crept into my mind and into my heart and was like, you can't do this. (laughs) You've never done it, and clearly you can't do it now. And I remember having those conversations with Josh where he's like, he he believes in me. He's like, I love you. You can do this. Like God has gifted you for this. He has called you to this. We are here for this. He has brought you to Arizona to lead. And he's like, I need you to step up. I need you to lead. In that moment, I knew that there was an expectation in our relationship that I had not been meeting. And because I hadn't been meeting it, it had been causing extra conflict, extra weight and t- stress and tension in our relationship. But the moment that we sat down and had the conversation to talk about it. It was like, okay, God, there's so much opportunity to understand. He can hear my heart about why I'm struggling to meet the expectation, and then together we can come together and have real conversation and talk openly and honestly and have vulnerability, and I can commit to meeting that expectation, the one that I know God has already called me to do. But maybe for some of you today, uh, you're in a marriage, and your marriage has brought feelings of unmet expectations. Maybe when you got married, you found out that, like, hey, my spouse isn't leading me like I thought they were going to. They're not the spiritual leader of our home like they told me they would be. Maybe they're not the financial provider that they said that they would be. Maybe they don't spend time with you like you thought they would. They're not interested in your interests anymore like they were when they were dating. I want this morning for you to think about your relationship Think about your spouse. Think about your friends if you're not married. Think about those closest to you. Are there expectations in your life that are either spoken or unspoken that either you are failing to meet or that are not being met? Do you have expectations that are not being met this morning? I want the end of this to have resolution for you to know that there is hope for that. Are there unmet expectations in your relationship? All right, second cause of conflict in our relationships is selfishness. Verse 3, she says, I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? Selfishness is a clear choice. It is a choice to put the needs of ourselves in front of the needs of others. It's a clear choice to say that my desires and my needs are more important than yours. One of the beautiful things about marriage is the sacrificial part of it. You stand before God and you say, I'm going to serve you in sickness and in health. And I'm going to be there for you when others are not. It is a choice to put your spouse before yourself. I was trying to think of some example here and it was actually really funny yesterday Josh and I were in the car talking about this because I don't know about anyone else but for me Sunday afternoons are for naps amen right amen you, you can throw up an amen Sundays are for naps and um, it's just like the the thing I do on Sunday afternoon it's like Sundays are a big day for our family we get up early it takes a lot of energy to, to make Sundays happen and by the end of it I'm just like I'm so wiped I get home I put my uh, youngest Henry to down for a nap and then I'm like now it's my turn and I get to go take a nap and uh, we were joking about it yesterday because we were talking about some things that needed to get done, and Josh was like, well, yeah, but, you know, you're going to be taking a nap, and I'm going to be running interference for Lucy so that she doesn't bother you. I had this thought in my brain. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, is this an area of my life where I have just allowed myself to say, you know what, this is something that I need, and it's more important than whatever you need on a Sunday afternoon? which is kind of crazy because I think about all the work that my husband does on Sunday mornings and uh, just what an amazing pastor he is. Do you guys love my husband? Amazing pastor. He works so hard. And, you know, obviously this is a funny example, but in that moment, I really felt like God was revealing something to me, like this tiny little seed that I had let creep in that's like, yeah, my taking a nap on Sunday afternoons is more important than maybe whatever it is that he has going on or has to do. So this morning, I want you to look inside yourself. I know that, like, when you hear these things, you're like, yeah, selfishness. Duh. Like, of course that's a problem for marriage. Of course that causes conflict. But can you ask yourself this morning, is that something that I struggle with? Is selfishness something that I have let creep into my relationship? I think sometimes it happens so innocuously, you don't even know it's happening necessarily until it kind of blows up in your face. But let me tell you, God wants to free you from this. God wants you to have a marriage that is beautifully sacrificial. And so this morning, look inside your heart, look inside your life, and be vulnerable enough to ask God, is this something that I am struggling with? Is selfishness something I have allowed into my marriage or into my relationships? Unmet expectations, selfishness. And the third cause of conflict is pride. Verses 4 through 6, she says, My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening, and my heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone, and my heart sank at his departure. pride comes into our relationships and makes us think things like I'm always right and my spouse is always wrong. If you find yourself saying things to your spouse like you always or you never, chances are pride has crept into your relationship. Maybe you say things like you always do this or you never want to spend time with me, or you never want to put our family first. You never want to spend time with our family. Maybe you never put my needs first, or you always think about yourself first. If you find yourself saying these kinds of phrases to your spouse, let the Lord speak to you this morning on pride. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I am so glad that we are here for this message because my spouse desperately needs to hear this because he is selfish and he is not meeting my expectations. Maybe God is speaking to you this morning. This is our opportunity to be self-reflective. When you hear this morning is not for someone outside of these walls. What we hear this morning through God's word is for you and for me. It's for God to speak to us. How many of us have forgotten how to say sorry? It's very simple. But just humbling ourselves to say sorry to our spouse. Maybe even if in the moment we think that, you know, I mean, it does. It takes two to tango, guys, and so it takes two to have a fight. But what if you're the first person to come and say sorry? Before your spouse says it to you, be the man, be the woman of God. Go to your spouse and apologize. And then in turn, receive the apology from your spouse. I think sometimes it is so hard when you feel so vindicated in your feelings, you're so angry about what's going on that even when they apologize and say sorry, it's hard to receive it. That's pride welling up in us that says, I don't want to let them off the hook. I want them to suffer. I want them to have the punishment that they deserve. We don't know exactly uh, what changes the woman's heart in this moment that, you know, before she's saying, like, I don't want to put my clothes back on. I don't want to get my feet dirty. (laughs) And I was laughing as I listened to someone uh, talking about this verse, and they're like, the guys out there are thinking, please don't. Like, please don't put your clothes back on. Just come to the door and let me in. Um, But we don't know exactly what changes her heart in this moment, but she arises and she goes to let him in. And as she opens the door, she finds that he is not there. He's left. His pride in that moment is so hurt and he's so scorned by her that he can't even stay to work it out. He is angry and frustrated, and the pride that says, I'm right in this moment has caused him to walk away and leave. I, I don't know how many of you here, but I know that there are many of you or uh, those of you who are watching online that you have suffered through this abandonment. When she says, my heart sank at his departure, you really understand that statement and you can commiserate with that because your spouse has left and they have departed. And though I have never personally walked through it, I have walked closely enough with those who have and I have watched and witnessed enough of it to know that it is life altering and it is heartbreaking. And so if you're here this morning and you are suffering through the departure of a spouse, let me, hear me say I'm sorry and that God loves you and that this morning, that doesn't have to be the end. There is hope for you. There is hope for healing in your heart. Maybe this morning your spouse hasn't left, but the warning signs are there. The light is flashing that says if you do not deal with this conflict in your relationship, it is going to spiral outside of your control. Maybe your spouse has not physically left you. Maybe you haven't physically left your spouse, but you have emotionally abandoned your spouse. You have completely checked out. You might be living together, but it's more like a cohabitation than it is a marriage. God wants you to wake up this morning. He wants you to hear the words from his from his word. He wants you to hear the truth this morning that there is hope And there is healing for your relationship. If you are living in this scenario, I know it's not fun. And I know that this morning if you give it to God, if you say these are things that I am struggling with in my life, maybe selfishness, pride, unmet expectations are eroding your relationship. God is saying he is here this morning. He is with you. And he wants you to find healing in your relationship. Honestly, as I was praying this week and really preparing for the message, that's what I felt like God was speaking to me, is that relationships are hard. <laughs> People are hard. We are intricate beings, and nothing is ever simple and easy, it seems like. And so I know that it is a complex thing, but at the end of the day, God wants to give you the simple thing that is his hope. That there is hope for your relationship. There is hope for healing, and there is hope for joy and fulfillment. So this morning, as we've gone through the three causes of conflict, now we're going to flip the script and say, okay, what are the things from God's word that he has equipped us with to not only overcome conflict, but to have resolution and to have godly resolution? So this morning, I'm going to go through three different ways that we can uh, commit godly principles to our lives for healthy conflict in our relationships. You guys ready? All right, we've gone through the difficult stuff. Now it's on to the good stuff. All right, this morning we are going to commit to act and not react. I was driving home uh, this week on the freeway and I saw a billboard that I know I've seen many times before. And I'm sure you've probably seen it. I'm going to give you this really awesome description of it. There's this incredibly burly looking guy who apparently is a lawyer, and yet he's holding a gavel. Which is really confusing to me, for like the way I understand the judicial system. Um, but next to it, it says, "Got injured, get even." And I thought to myself, as I was reflecting on this message this week, how often do we use that same philosophy and that same logic in our relationships? You hurt me. Cool, I'm going to hurt you back. I, even as I was driving here this morning, you guys, my, I don't maybe it's the car. I just need to walk everywhere or ride a bike. <laughs> I'd be way more fit. I know I can ride at least 14 miles on a bike, um, but I, I'm sitting there driving my children to church, and Henry has been doing this l- thing lately where it's like for no reason whatsoever, he just starts yelling the word no at me. It's like... <laughs> we're not even arguing about anything, but he just comes and he's like, no. And I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, no. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just this like thing is rising inside of me, and all I want to do is yell that back at him. But I mean, not only would this not be productive in our relationship, um, but this is not how God has called us to act. We are not supposed to react to the things that are going on around us. We are supposed to be rooted in the Word and rooted in the Holy Spirit, and our actions are supposed to flow out of the Holy Spirit's leading. Romans 12, 21 says this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So what happens when we're overcome by evil is we are uh, constantly being bombarded by the things that are happening around us. Maybe your spouse is coming against you, and they're being exceedingly rude, or they're just really pushing all of your buttons. It's in those moments in our fleshly desires that we fire back at them. But what God has called us to is to react through the Holy Spirit's leading I love this whole chapter from Romans. Uh, the beginning, it talks about living our life as a living sacrifice to God. It is not our job to sin when someone sins against us. It's not our right. It's not our privilege. In fact, God has called us to something higher than that. He's called us to something greater than that. The whole verse, he, Paul gives different prescriptive uh, prescriptions for how we're supposed to live. He says in verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. How hard is it to honor someone when they're frustrating you? Verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you. And verse 17, it says, repay no one evil for evil. And he ends it again in verse 21 saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Each one of us has a responsibility to ourselves. I unfortunately cannot control the toddler in the back of my car sometimes. I'm trying, guys. I also can't control what happens in between me and another person. I can't control their actions, but what I can control is me. I can control how I choose to respond to a situation. And I'm not saying it's easy. And you know what? If it were up to me and my power, it would not happen. But because each one of us, as we become believers, has the Holy Spirit living inside of us, transforming us by the power of His Word, we can overcome evil with good. It's simple, but it's not easy. Secondly, we commit to focus on the good and not on the bad. Philippians 4, eight, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Have you ever talked to someone, or, you know, maybe this is you, or it's like, you have it going so good. Like, you have this amazing job, but there is just one thing about the job that really, really bothers you, and because that one thing bothers you, it doesn't matter how good you have it. It doesn't matter how much of a blessing it is in your life. All you can do is focus on that one negative thing, and it completely blows apart the blessing that God has given you. And this happens so often in our minds, I've been thinking and, and reading a lot about this lately, just the power of our minds and the power of our words. We don't just respond to stuff that is coming in. We are responsible for what is going out. Matthew twelve thirty-four says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And Proverbs eighteen twenty one says that life and death is the power in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. How many of us this morning are eating rotten fruit? We haven't chosen to speak life. Maybe your spouse is doing all that they can to be loving towards you. They're loving you the way that they know. Maybe those expectations haven't been laid out. And, you know, they're picking up the kids from school. They're grocery shopping. They're making dinner. But the moment that they leave a dirty dish in the sink and don't put it in the dishwasher, like, that's all you can see. It destroys the way that we see our spouse. It destroys the love and the bonds of marriage because we cannot help but focus on what is negative. The more that you think things and the more that you say things, the more that your mind filters every interaction through those thoughts and through those words. We have a choice of how we think about things. We have a choice to focus on what is good. Even in those moments when it's frustrating, when your boss comes in and does something super frustrating and you're like, I've had this conversation with them a million times, you can choose to focus on, man, God, thank you so much for this job that you have given me. Thank you for the provision. Thank you for the blessing. In your relationship, when your spouse forgets to put the dish in the dishwasher. You do it. Put the dish in the dishwasher. And then go, thank you, God, that I have a spouse that loves me, that cares about our children, that is a good steward of our finances and of our relationship. We choose to focus on the good and not on the bad. I heard this amazing example from Ruth Graham, who if you don't know is Billy Graham's or was Billy Graham's wife. And if you aren't familiar with who Billy Graham was, he was an amazing, amazing evangelist. And he traveled all over the country, spreading the gospel, bringing people to know Jesus, and leading revivals all over God's country here. He brought so many people to know the Lord, but that meant he was gone a lot. It meant he was busy a lot, and that can be really hard. And so Ruth Graham was being asked in an interview one time, and they said, You know, what was it like, you know, having your spouse, having Billy be gone all the time? And did you ever resent him for not being home with you? And she said something that I thought was so incredibly profound. She said, five months with Billy is better than 12 months with any other man. And you might hear that and be like, well, yeah, she's Billy Graham's wife. (laughs) Of course she's going to say that. But let me tell you, it takes a lot of power. It takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of humility to say that because you know what I guarantee you there were nights when she was at home with her children thinking oh my gosh where is my husband why is he not here helping me with this it's hard but just because it was hard she didn't give up and she didn't choose to focus on the negative she instead focused on the fact that her husband was an amazing man of God that he followed Christ leading, that he didn't uh, do what the world told him was good. He did what God led him to do. He was an obedient follower of Christ. And because of him, so many people are living in freedom and the hope that comes through a new life in Jesus Christ. It was not easy, but she chose to focus on what was good rather than focusing on the bad. And number three, this is my final thought, and Bam, you can come up. We commit to talk and not walk. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give the devil no opportunity. This has been a verse that has been really uh, instrumental for Josh and I from the very beginning of our relationship. And I honestly think it's because it's so practical, And, you know, I actually looked it up this week to be like, you know, is this a literal interpretation? Like, don't let the day end before you, you know, talk through your conflict, before you work it out. And it is literally literal. There is no loophole here. It is literally, don't let the celestial sun in the sky set before you talk it out with your spouse. Do not let the sun set on your anger. Because when you do, That is when the devil's like, this is my opportunity. When you are hurt and frustrated, that is when he's going to come in with the lies. That's when he's going to reaffirm the thoughts in your brain that my spouse doesn't love me. My spouse doesn't care about me. Or maybe, you know, it's selfish things. Like, we just don't want to give the devil any opportunity in our mind. We want God to speak to us, to speak clearly to us. And when we leave space for the devil to come in, we leave opportunity for sin and lies to take root in our mind. I'll be honest with you and tell you, I do not like confrontation. It is something that God has grown me in, is being the person who's willing to have that confrontation. But it is amazing what God has done in our relationship As I have grown in that, as I have not shirked away, as I have not said, I just don't want to talk about it. Like, can we just move past it? But when we actually get to the root of the conflict in our relationships, God is able to bring forth something beautiful. He brings forth restoration. He brings forth renewal. He brings healing in places that maybe I didn't even know needed healing. So this morning we have to commit together. We don't walk out. We talk it through. And I don't even mean this morning that it has to be 100% worked out by the time your bed or your head hits the pillow. There are some things in life that cannot be worked out in the hour before you go to bed. But what you do make the commitment to do is to say we are in this together. God is with us in this together. He cares so much about your relationship. Our marriages are covenants before Him. They are important. It is not a little thing to him. He wants us to have healthy, godly marriages and relationships. So we commit at that moment to say, you know what? This isn't fully resolved, but I'm committed to you. You're committed to me. And we are committed to the Lord in working it out. We're not going to let the devil have any opportunity in our relationship. And maybe for you, That means you need to find biblical godly counseling in your marriage sometimes we can't work things out on our own there are issues in this life that are deeper than sometimes we even fully understand and we need someone to help us work it out what a beautiful thing to be able to go to someone with your spouse and find resolution and find healing i really commend you if you are seeking counseling if you're in counseling for your marriage You are doing an incredibly brave and powerful and beautiful thing for your marriage because you're saying, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give the devil any opportunity. But you know what we all need to do? We all need to in conflict when it cannot be resolved easily. We need to get down on our knees and pray and ask God for healing. We need to pray and ask him, reveal the areas of our lives that these conflicts are coming from. This morning, maybe you're hearing these things and you're like, there is selfishness. There is pride. There are unmet expectations in my relationship. God wants to free you from that. He wants to forgive you. This morning, there is forgiveness. And you know what is amazing about God? I was thinking about this this morning as I was getting ready even. It's like there's so many... uh, images in this book and really in Christianity and who God is that are about gardening and about plant life. And I was just thinking about how so often these things, selfishness, pride, unmet expectations, they're planted in our gardens, these beautiful gardens of these relationships that we have, and they come up as these awful weeds. And they suck the life out of the good stuff. They take away the nourishment from the areas of our relationship that are beautiful and they grow And if we do not resolve them, if we do not pick them out of our garden, they will take over. They will kill what is good and until only what remains is the negative stuff. But God is our faithful gardener. And if this morning you are willing to come to him and say, God, there is issue. There is conflict in my relationships. And God, I need your help to resolve it he will not only weed the garden with you, he will gently remove those things, but then afterwards when it's laid bare, then he goes and he plants the good seeds again. I was thinking about how Jesus, not only did he forgive the paralyzed man, forgive his sin, but then he restored his life by letting him walk again. He says, not only am I going to do this amazing, totally supernatural thing and forgive your sins, but then I'm going to do even more abundantly over that, and I'm going to give you the power to walk. That is what God wants for your relationships. He says, not only do I want to remove the conflict, not only do I want to remove the selfishness, the pride, the sin that is inside your heart, but I want to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to act and to live with godly principles. We can commit this morning to not react, but to act godly. We can commit to not walk away from our spouse, but to talk it out and commit to be there for them. We can commit this morning to not focus on the bad things in our life, but we can focus on the blessings and the good things that God has given us. This morning, would you stand with me? know that there are all different walks and all different things happening in this room and even online in your homes, but I know that we all serve the same God, that we serve a God who heals, that we serve a God who brings resolution, we serve a God who brings redemption, and so this morning I want to give you the opportunity to lay sin and shame at his feet and pick up the power of the Holy Spirit in your relationships. So this morning would you bow your heads with me, I want us to have a time with him. This isn't about anyone else outside of this room. There may be conflict in your life that is not erupting because of you, but maybe it's because of someone else. But this morning, you and I are the ones here. You and I are the ones reading God's word. We are the ones interacting with him, and his Holy Spirit is speaking to us this morning. So God, this morning, we want to give it to you. If you're here this morning and you would say, man, my relationships need restoration. We need a miracle this morning. They are out of control. The conflict has not been resolved. And God, I know that part of that is my fault. I know that my sin has gotten in the way of my relationships. Maybe you're here and you'd say, you know, my relationship isn't need rescue, but I can see in myself these seeds of resentment, seeds of bitterness because of selfishness and pride. We need to give those to Jesus. So maybe if you're here with your spouse, I even encourage you hold their hand. Show them that you're here with them, that you're in this for them, that you are committed to one another. This morning, if you would say, I need to give these things to God, I need to choose to confess my sin and pick up the power of the Holy Spirit. I want a God-honoring, a healthy, a beautifully tended guardian relationship, then I want to invite you this morning to raise your hands with me. This is an act of surrender to God to say, Lord, I know that on my own power I may not be able to do these things, but I know that by the power of the Holy Spirit working in me that you can bring healing, that you are the God who brings life where there has been death, that you are the God who brings light where darkness has reigned, and you are the God who heals hearts, who heals minds, who heals bodies. You take nothing and you bring beauty out of it. So, God, this morning as we raise our hands to you, God, we pray, Lord, would you watch over each and every one of our relationships. God, would you forgive us for the moments when we have acted selfishly? Would you forgive us for our sin? And Lord, as we give you our sin and shame, as we lay it at the feet of Jesus, who came 2,000 years ago and died on the cross so that we could have reconciliation with the Father, as we lay our sin and shame at your feet, Jesus, would you bring reconciliation? Would you bring redemption into our relationships this morning? God, we love you are so thankful that you empower us and that our, your word says that when we are weak that you are strong god we thank you and we give it to you this morning in your holy name amen amen well this morning i want to invite you to continue in a time of giving it to jesus we're going to sing a song i surrender all and this morning do not let anything hold you back Jesus held nothing back when he came for you and reconciled you to God. This morning, if there is anything that would hold you back from reconciliation with your spouse, would you just give it to him? There's nothing that I would not do for that healthy and beautiful relationship with my spouse. So this morning, I encourage you, lay it at the feet of Jesus. Do not leave here without seeking forgiveness and finding in return his presence and his power.